It's spring training on the clock. It's pretty quick. One shake, two shake. Better You better get rid of it. Welcome to the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse, gives you the stories behind the score, and brings you to spring training. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano and our first Braves report from Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida, and um, my first spring training game, and we're done in a nice, tidy two hours and 16 minutes. Yeah, it's nice for those of you who got in on the ground floor of this, uh, this new pitch clock because – I can tell you, Jay, it's Sunday afternoon, 7-0, with lots of hits by one team, not a lot by the other. It's not taking two and a half hours. No, no, we're uh, moving along at a nice brisk pace, and that's what we're going to focus on here today. We're going to take a deep dive into what's changed with baseball's new rules and what we've learned here uh, at the first two days in the Grapefruit League. We'll also uh, talk to the pitchers, how they're adjusting to it, and look at the, the rest of the rule changes for this season. Plus, have we learned anything from the last two days? And your questions, and all the answers in the Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, well, welcome aboard. And make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet... You can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Now, before we dig into all the rule changes this year, let's start quickly with what's happened over the last two days. No wins yet for the Braves, and I uh, didn't really see much here in Tampa on Sunday, especially from Bryce Elder, who gives up a grand slam, but stats are not how he's going to grade his success right now. Mainly feel. Um, obviously, as you know, I'm not a velocity, high-velocity guy, so I mean, I think kind of finding my lanes and getting where I control each pitch is the most important, and if I can get by March 20th or whatever where I have feel for all my pitches and working down my lanes well commanding both sides of the plate, I like my chances to have success. How about a snip? Found a hole and, and or two, and um, he got out of trouble, though. I mean, that's, you know, he gave up the grand slam, got out of trouble. Started over. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Skipper's got jokes in February. <laughs> that's That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's an all-timer from Snit, at least in, in the year I've I've been on the beat. Yeah, it's it's and it perfectly kind of encapsulates the situation here. It's February 26th as we speak right now, Jay. Bryce Elder didn't seem overly concerned. The results were not good on paper. They looked downright ugly, but it's a second time facing hitters here. He expected to be rusty, and you take it into the next one. Obviously, you want the results, but for him, it's more about the feel. It's more about building up. It's more about eventually gaining command of those pitches and doing, you know, doing it more regularly. The repeatability of the delivery and of the mechanics, um, and that's going to come. It's the first outing in spring, second time he'd faced hitters, as I mentioned. He's expecting to be a lot better down the road. Anything you take out of what you've seen in these first two games? Mm, no, ex- except for I think a few of the Braves' bullpen arms have looked good, or. Not even bullpen arms, just either non-roster invitees or bullpen arms. Dylan Lee looked great today. Um, and then a couple NRI guys, Blake Burhalter out of Auburn, uh, drafted last year, looked good today. Uh, gave up a walk after getting the first two guys out, but retired the side um, for a scoreless inning. Dylan Dodd, 
Um, 13th ranked prospect now for the Braves. Had good strikeout numbers last year. Looked really good uh, with a pair of strikeouts in Saturday's game. Not a ton you can take. Um, although if you're a Braves fan, it was nice to see Matt Olson go two for two in his you know short work yesterday and have a have a home run. Now, back to Saturday. Who gets credit for the term clock off? Oh man, I first heard that from another reporter who was there, and I don't know who he heard it from, but I don't think we can use any other term now. I mean, I think that's that has to be the one. And, and just can we first discuss before we get in that incident? How on the nose it is that in the very first game, the very first Braves game with the pitch clock, with the rule changes, it was a situation that we all brought up in theory. Well, what happens when this happens? And you list six absolutely wild things. And it was it was that it was the very first game, bottom of the ninth. Braves had scored three runs in the inning, bases loaded, two outs, full count. You you cannot. In a spring training game, there is no more dramatic situation. So the, the the guy who gets credit for history, are they going to put Cal Conley's helmet in the Hall of Fame now? They should. <laughs> and we got we we had a couple minutes with him. I had a couple minutes with him after, and just to hear it, you really got a very good sense of how confusing this can be in the moment, and how much they're going to need to work out these kinks this spring. A little bit of a introduction to the new rules. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Did you think? Um, so it looked like the catcher was standing up. Did you just maybe think that because he wasn't ready to catch that, you know, it, it wouldn't be assessed against you? Yeah, I was, I mean, the umpire said I was looking down. I was looking down, looking at the catcher as he was standing up. Not really sure if the pitcher was ready to go. Catcher definitely wasn't. I was just trying to go with the rhythm of them. Kind of wasn't looking at the clock. And, you know, next time should have called time in that situation, I guess, is what the umpire said. So um, I guess learn from it and move on. I guess just goes to show kind of the things in the rule maybe you don't think about. Yeah, exactly. The game speeds up, especially a moment like that. You know, spring training game, but still games on the line. Had a little adrenaline going and, you know, things were getting fast. So uh, take it and learn from it. And the reaction from Brian Snicker. Well, the catcher was standing up, kind of out of the box, and the pitcher was on the mound, and in seven seconds he wasn't ready to go. The hitter wasn't. Can you see that so, being a – That could be a real problem right there. strategic thing. Because, because, yeah, and, and you never know, yeah. Because the batter would think that maybe until the catcher got down, well, he wouldn't the, need to, right? you got to forget about that. Yeah. you got to yeah. be attentive to the pitcher like the rule says. And that's distracting. That's something that we might try it. I mean, it worked right there. I don't think they were intentionally trying to do it. But right. It worked. Yeah. What, uh, I don't think you really – I don't think they – I don't think this was intended for a game to end like that. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about – pretty much everything with with the pitch clock on Saturday, even today, until this happened. And it took one game for not necessarily legit controversy, but but a controversy. Right. It's a controversy because it's something that needs to be ironed out. And this isn't to be cynical because I do consider myself an optimistic, level-headed person. But if this happened in the first Grapefruit League game for one of the teams playing on Grapefruit League opening day. Could it happen in the postseason? Could it happen in a very important regular season game? Those are questions the league has to ask. And let's be a little soft on the league when we talk about this, because there were going to be issues that needed to be ironed out. When you have humans creating something, 
there's always going to be little loose ends and little things you have to kind of tie knots onto. Uh, and this is one of them. They're going to have to address it. I'm sure they will um, in terms of putting kind of whether it be legislation, making that part about the catcher clear or making sure there's no way to deke a hitter um, because he's only got to be in the box, doesn't have to be squatting. And so or maybe they just leave it be and emphasize teams emphasize, hey, just worry about yourself. You know, if you're the hitter, I can see. A lot of conversation coming from this and honestly a lot of teams trying to find little edges and it, it might be hard to do but if there's a will there's a way and it's always a copycat league and it's always a cat and mouse game and this is going to be the same but i think this rule and this change by and large is going to be a very positive thing for the game people don't want to watch four hour baseball games they don't want to watch three and a half hour baseball games i get it football games are that long but here's my argument. Football games are action-packed from start to finish most times, unless the offenses are horrible. And there are not 162 football games. This is going to make the product seem much more fast-paced, much more action-packed. And with this and the shift, I think it's going to put the athletes on display. This is not speeding the game up, but getting it back to where it's supposed to be. You stay on the mound. You stay in the batter's box. And it shows how great a game baseball is. We've basically gone 120 years without having to fix anything. Well, now we have to fix anything because analytics, fair enough, gave teams advantages. But when you stack everybody to the right side of second base, or when you work the, keep working for walks and you can't stay in the batter's box, you can't stay on the mound, it's dragging. There's just nothing going on. It's not that we don't want to see less baseball. We just want to see less drift. People don't hate baseball. They hate the pace. They hate the lack of action. They hate everything surrounding it in some of these games. They want pure baseball. I, I believe that. Now, maybe sometime next offseason when we have a couple hours, Jay, we can talk about how baseball doesn't market its stars properly. That's a completely different conversation that feeds into all of this and into everything they will change. But people want baseball. This is still a highly entertaining product. These guys are the 1% of the 1% in terms of talented baseball players on this earth. They are playing in this league. People want baseball and they care about baseball. We just want to see action. And I think this is going to create a better product. But... Let's not forget about the certain loose ends they might have to tie up. I was talking to one player in the clubhouse today who brought up something about, you know, what it's going to happen in an important situation in October, in an important regular season game. Is it going to be viable to say, hey, no pitch clock in the eighth or ninth innings of a postseason game, you know, and beyond? Is it plausible to say, put a few more seconds on the clock in those late situations? I don't know. But here's what I do know. The rule as it stands right now will not be the rule for the rest of the season. They're going to have to address certain things. And I think they expected that. That's why they're starting in spring. And that's about just the one thing everybody agrees on is that it's good that they're starting it now.
Now let's go through most of the Braves' rotation. We've got them on the record with their thoughts this spring training. We'll start with Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider. Yeah, I feel good with it. You know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a period where guys are trying to figure some things out, but you know, I think it will definitely speed up the game. And once guys get used to it, they might even be able to use it to their advantage. It's definitely a bit of a change, but Cranny actually showed me my average times from last year, and I was under the threshold both out of the lineup and out of the stretch, so I don't think I have to worry about it too much. Um, I think there'll be times out of the stretch when you really try to slow the game down. That's when you have to be more cognizant of it. That's something we've, we've talked about as, as guys in the clubhouse. Just, you know, it's the bottom of the eighth inning. You've got two runners on, the tie runs at the plate. It's the biggest part of the game, and we're having to, you know, go to the pace of a clock. That's, that's going to be a, a mental strain on guys to figure out how to slow the game down. That's the part that I'm fascinated by. These two games didn't feel like it was baseball on fast forward, but that clock is relentless. It is. Bryce Elder, who pitched in AAA last year, said he felt rushed today a little bit. He said, you know, he alluded to the clock getting on him a little bit, shaking once and, you know, maybe twice. And then you look up and it's at five, four, three. It's going to be an adjustment. And there are layers to this, right? I do buy and learn. I do agree with you. I thought this was a highly entertaining product. I really, really have enjoyed these two spring training games. And that's highly entertaining spring training products, which really aren't sentences that come out of your mouth very often. No, no, that that actually might be the first time, which is why I almost stumbled over those words. I've never uttered them before. But what's going to happen? We'll take, take an ace. Take Max Freed. Is Max Freed, because he's got to go to the clock, is he going to feel the same in the sixth inning this year as he would have before if he had more time to kind of collect himself? Are guys going to tire quicker? Um, is the clock going to lead to more cheap offense in the later innings if relievers can't get it together? There's going to be a lot of mental strain. And as Spencer said in that last quote, the separator is going to be which guys can handle it. We'll figure that out, you know, but that's, I think, what fascinates me, Jay, is that. As objective as this clock is making the game, and what I mean by that is there is no ambiguity. You make the clock, you don't make the clock. It is like a buzzer in basketball. You can there there is not much feel or human you know that's going to be used. But for as much objectivity is in there, there's going to be a lot of storylines that come from how different guys handle the clock that we won't be able to quantify as much. Especially for the relievers, this may be a bigger adjustment for them. They're coming in typically high-leverage situations, lots of pressure. The game goes slower. Here's one of them, Colin McHugh. I think that's going to be okay. Um, I really do at the end of the day. Do I want it? No. And I, I, if anybody asks me, I will be very clear with them that I, I think it's unnecessary. But um, that being said, I think that as baseball players, we're pretty resourceful, and we'll figure it out. All right, so I'll ask you, why is it unnecessary? Yeah, I think for me the – you know, I grew up watching watching baseball, and, and for me, the the beauty of the game was kind of that one-on-one battle between a pitcher and a hitter. And um, you know, baseball part of the beauty of it, I think, is the the absence of the time constraint. You know, we're not up against something. I remember listening to, I think, as Mario Cuomo said something back in the day about baseball that it's a game that um, we're not under under a clock. There's not there's not anything preventing us from doing something ever more greatly. And I think that for us, like we spent a lot of time executing pitch after pitch after pitch and making that our, our whole job. And to have something from an outside constraint pushing us to do something 
maybe even five seconds quicker. I understand the point of it. We're trying to increase the pace and, and, and make the game a little bit more, I don't know, make the pace a little bit more, a little bit jumpier, a little bit more uh, active. But for me, like, there's something about standing on a mound and looking at a hitter and looking at a catcher and being like, this is the only thing that matters in this one second. And having anything pull you away from that, you know, I think it, I think it has the potential to distract a little bit from the really good stuff. Uh, first off, shout out Mario Cuomo. Uh, but second, that is a strong counterpoint. Yeah, he makes a great point. And let me just throw this in there as somebody who covers the team. You need a good argument. Colin McHugh's your guy because he's very, very insightful, very smart, always very well-spoken um, and outspoken about what he believes in. But it is a. I love how he measured that point with, you know, if you ask him, he's going to say it one way, but he understands it. They'll figure it out. His point to that, though, is awesome. I do agree. Like, so much of baseball is getting to see an ace out there versus one of the best hitters. And we want Bryce Harper to keep redoing the gloves and do the little shimmy while he's staring back at Max Fried or, I don't know, Jacob DeGrom or Yu Darvish or anybody else, Walker Bueller. That's so awesome, the one-on-one battles. And those are really going to get cut into by this pitch clock a little bit. And hitters are going to be on their heels at times. It might end up being an advantage for the pitchers who can handle it and who can work quickly. He's got a good point. I agree. I love the one-on-one battle in baseball. I love how baseball purely is this chill, laid-back game that doesn't have to be sped up, that is almost like a chess match sometimes, but still relies on athleticism. That said, that's where my agreements end. These were bearable spring training games. And I say that as somebody like I'm not trying to be cynical, but when you have to you when you watch a lot of baseball games for work, they can run together. And that's just being a human. These were fun to watch. I enjoyed watching these baseball games because I love how it sped up the game. Now, my question is, man, how much fun is it going to be when we get to see the starters out there in full force with this pitch clock playing great baseball? I I know you said that that you feel confident that tweaking will happen. Is it safe to feel confident this is not going away? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I feel like what I'm seeing these last two days is 229, 229, 229, 231, 215. I pulled those numbers out of my head because I feel like that's just what I've seen on social media, in the news. People overwhelmingly like this. I remember talking to Austin Riley about this in the Mariners clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse in Seattle on the day the rule changes were announced that they were going to be implemented. He said, you know what? When he was talking to minor league guys, he said they in Austin kind of, you know, he was like, they like it. They, you know, so there's something's got to be working. And now everybody is getting to see that something. I don't think it's going away. This does too much good for the game and putting it back with these big sports like I went to a basketball game uh, with my girlfriend in the offseason a couple of them actually the fact that it's constant action for two two and a half hours is incredible and baseball has the athletes for it baseball has the drama baseball has the pressure-filled situations let's put them center stage by not letting this game drag that's what I like about it all right coming up there's more this year than just the pitch clock we'll talk about that next this is the braves report from the atlanta journal constitution when you're looking for leading cardiac treatment look to northside hospital heart institute we lead with five emergency cardiac care centers 
So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Right, we know we tell you this a lot, but we do want to remind you again, if you're just joining the show or haven't done it yet, that you know, we've got a ton of Brave Spring training coverage here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We are the only Atlanta reporters here at uh, George M. Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida. And the reason we are the only reporters here is because of subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And if you have not done so yet, we got a terrific offer right now to give us a shot. The next six months for just 99 cents. That will allow you to get all of Justin's Braves coverage, all of our columnists, our Braves Report newsletter, all of our sports newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley himself, our breaking news coverage, investigations, on and on and on. All that for the next six months for just 99 cents. So to take advantage of this deal, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. It is worth thanking the people who do subscribe and those who have listened to the show and supported us. This is the reason we get to be over here down in Florida. It's perfect. And I mean, are you are you next up on my list of revolving door roommates this spring? Uh yes, yes. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, over there at uh, AJC House uh, down in um, parts unknown, just south of here in uh, Florida. So uh, you can show me where you keep the alligators and the swamp that we got in the backyard. So a podcast update because we haven't done one in days our columnist michael cunningham who was on our last episode sent me a video on fr- on thursday or f- no friday of a gator swimming <laughs> swimming right now and i'm i'm not even kidding i'm not saying this for dramatic entertaining effect it was a gator and folks at night i zoomed in on the video it was a gator i was skeptical too he thought it was driftwood I thought it was just I couldn't see the video at first because I was outside at Brave Spring Training. I thought it was just, you know, the wind kind of kicking up a little bit of water. Nope. Something scaly was in there. Baby gator or something that could pull you into the water gator? Something that could pull you into the water. And apparently it was looking for birds who were dumb enough to go down to the bank. Uh, so if you were a, you know, if you're in a family of birds, warn, warn everybody. That's a dinosaur. Just remember that. An alligator is a dinosaur. That, it, They're still here for a reason. Ugh, I know. It's just um, I'm fascinated by these alligators. I don't want to meet one, and I won't be hanging out in our backyard. <laughs> no good transition from alligators attacking Justin at House AJC to um, the shift. But uh, let's talk about the shift now. I mean, it, it could be good uh, to see some ground balls go through the four hole uh, again. <laughs> I can't remember last time unless the guy was on first base, but... As far as approach, it's not really going to change it. That's Matt Olson, and guess what? He got one to the four hole on game on his first at bat of the season. Just, just poetic that the first shift beater belongs to Matt Olson, who probably hadn't seen one of those uh, go through there in a bases empty situation. I mean, he's young, so his whole career. I mean, he was that was that was poetic. Um, also poetic if we're talking about infielders before we keep on the shift. Von Grissom gets the first ground ball of spring training. Of course he does. Matt Olson, by the way, 
saw the shift in 81% of his at-bats last year, which is down from 90% the year before. And according to uh, Baseball Savant, his weighted on-base percentage goes up 30 points when they don't shift him. Yep, it's uh, more place to, you know, find bat on ball. He's told me that, uh, or to find a hole, he's told me that he just tries to stay through the middle of the field. So usually if he's hitting them over there, ground balls, he's not making great contact. Uh, but you'll take him when you can get him. Also, call me crazy if I am being crazy because this might just be a brain fart thought. But I wonder if the shift went down from, you're saying from 2021, right? Yep, 20, 90%, 2021, 81% last year. So teams often can't shift with runners on base. And I wonder how much of that speaks to the A's offense versus the Braves offense. I go back and forth on the shift. This is an artificial measure to put the game back where it was when more Americans loved it. We like seeing runners go first through. We like seeing dribblers get through. Nobody enjoys seeing the second baseman make a catch where that sprinkler is going off out in short right field. But in the NBA, you just can't sit back and play zone because the zone's boring. On the other hand, reducing a baseball team's ability to strategize is hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, I get it. It almost feels like it almost feels like the zone has always kind of been outlawed. I mean, I don't really remember if there was this big situation that caused that, but it does feel like the shift more so than anything in other sports is MLB handcuffing teams just because they got smart. Yeah. And that's that's the main issue I had with it, but I like it, man. And here's why. You have Guys like uh, Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, uh, Francisco Lindor, uh, pick your, you know, your Trey Turner, just pick a name out of the hat. All these great athletes, show them off, put them on display. This is going to do that. These guys, teams shift more now, sure, even at the lower levels, the younger levels um, of baseball, going to high school, you know, travel ball, whatever. But none of these guys grew up shifting all the time. And, you know, Austin Riley didn't grow up running from third base all the way out to his post in shallow right field. That should not. It's not baseball. Like I I, stopping the game for him to do that with two strikes. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I think it'll put the athletes on display. Also, pitchers hate it because they say, well, shouldn't you just be able to pepper the ball to that left side through the hole? The hitters point, though, the counterpoint to that is. Well, guys pitch to the shift. If they're shifting Matt Olson, they're not throwing him an outside pitch that he can just take the other way. And so I just, I do think it's going to lead to a little bit more of a what goes around comes around game. We always had that with the shift, but now you're going to get some, you're going to not get some. If it goes right to somebody, they'll be, per, you know, they'll be uh, posted up, but you, you can shift. You just can't shift like you used to both. You know, at least two infielders on each side of second base. Uh, Nobody on the grass. I think that's a big thing. And all the grass is even now. Yes. Yes. And everybody on the infield dirt. I like it. Like, I don't have. When you do a podcast. You want to have some sort of take or point to further the conversation. I don't have a hot take to these rules because I honestly like them. Like, I, I. like getting the game back to what it was and I I like how these are pushing the game forward and letting the athletes really show off 
do the Braves gain any advantage or have a significant disadvantage at the plate or in the field now because you can't shift? Ooh, I think they've gotten a little bit of a disadvantage pitching-wise and advantage hitting-wise. And the reason I say that is because they've got some boppers. So the Braves, maybe more so than a lot of teams, have the Austin Rileys and the Michael Harris's of the world that shoot a rocket right up the middle that just falls in a glove because Austin Riley's being shifted and there's a, you know, the shortstop is right over second base in the outfield grass, basically. But, you know, I think it's, they come in a little bit of a disadvantage. They were one of the teams that shifted the most heavy heavily last year um, and have done so for a couple years. Now they're going to have to live with whatever, but they've got the type of pitching staff. I think that can work all quadrants. A lot of those guys, they, the strong pitching staff in that form or fashion should help. So the ability to work in all quadrants of the zone, I I, I think is really going to help um, when you have more true outcomes because you can't shift. But I do think it's going to be better for them offensively. Now we know we got bigger bases out there too, which made speed demons like Eli White way more valuable fighting for a job. But how much more aggressive will he be with pitchers being forced to pick him off on the third throw over? That's going to be the kind of trial and error, I feel like. Um, you know, there's definitely going to be a little bit more strategy going into it. So, yeah, it's something that I'll have to be feeling out. Um, obviously, game situation dictates a lot of it. But, yeah, once they pick over twice, you know that they got to pick you off if they're going to get you out. So, yeah, maybe maybe in certain instances you can get a little bit more aggressive. But I, I with me, like I always try and – I like getting to the same spot every time, um, having an aggressive lead. Um, but, but yeah, we'll see. It'll be something I tinker with and play with during spring. Do you think guys are really going to run more with four and a half less inches? Yeah. I mean, think about all the bang-bang plays, especially for the great athletes like Acuna, like Harris, like Eli White. That half second makes all the difference a lot of times, especially with replay. Um I think they are, and maybe the bigger part of that isn't so much the bases, but the pitch clock. So pitchers have two disengagements per plate appearance. You know, it resets if runners advance, but that means, you know, you can only throw over twice. The third time, you got to pick them off. I mean, I think if you're a pitcher, you've got to have one of those in their back po- your back pocket, a disengagement for whatever you need it for, whether it's, you know, re- you know re- to reset the timer or to throw over to control the running game. But I think, yeah, I think guys are going to be more aggressive because now as a pitcher, you, you you can't control the running game. You can only control it within the constraints. I desperately hope that is the case. I desperately hope I get to see somebody steal 70 bases again. We used to have that in the game, and that was one of my favorite parts of the game going back years and years to seeing. I just remember like when Juan Pierre got to first base, Juan Pierre was at second base. Yeah. Like that, it, That's the way it was. Acuna can be the same way. So can Harris, really. Um, heck, I think Grissom's got great base running instincts. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for guys. I think you're going to see the guys like Acuna weighted out a pitch maybe so that pitcher keeps those disengagements and then go on that second pitch. And I think like, I mean, I, we saw it a couple times yesterday, guys stealing bases early, really early in counts. Kevin and, Paul running the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then was picked off. Yes. Uh, <laughs> At second base. <laughs> he got a little little too big of a lead there. But no, yeah, he was he was running today. Kevin Pilar is another one of those guys. Eli White. The Braves. Uh, you know, and it 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 is 
it is funny because at the GM meetings, we played it on this podcast, Alex Anthopoulos told us, you know, he didn't know how much teams were going to cater their off seasons to the rule changes. The Braves picked up about three, you know, three or four good rule change guys. Uh, Including Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, Eli White. Heck, Pilar's one of those guys. I hope guys run more because that's just been the coolest play is a bang, bang play on, you know, a steal or, or a back pick or, you know, something like that, whatever it may be. We need that in the game more because pitchers have effectively controlled the clock a lot. Teams have just said, well, in this day and age, I'd rather you stay at first. So if a guy bops one out, it's two runs and not one plus, you know, another out. Uh, I mean, they just weighed the cost effectiveness of it, basically. Um, And I hope running is back. Finally, one modification that's been somewhat overlooked is the schedule. I, I was excited about that anyway. I mean, I just thought that 19, you know, you play over half your games against your division. I just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's, we're do you know, get to see everybody. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, so, you know, it's <laughs> used to be, it's, you know, you think it's like you played 12, 13 games and you're going to see Jacob deGrom probably six times. It's what you never, you never look forward to. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that. Just I think more so than the other, just the fact that we get to see everybody. It does get kind of old watching the Nationals and the Marlins 38 times a year. Ah, uh, dang it. You just took the joke out of my mouth. <laughs> I was going to say Final that. Vote. I was going to say, did MLB have a recorder, you know, in here when I've told you a billion times that I'm tired of watching the Nationals and I'm tired of watching the Marlins? But the flip side, I'm going to miss the remaining six and 12 of those games against the Mets and Phillies yep. uh, because the NL East is a beast of a division. Um, and I like the balanced schedule though, man. I mean, what I think is we've spent, you know, three trips to DC, three trips to Miami, three to Philly, you know, three to New York, Kansas city this year, Toronto this year, Texas this year, as was last year, Boston, there are going to be so many of these cities we get to go to. One, that'll be fun for us personally. Two, get these guys playing some other teams. Three, what effect is this going to have for the NL East? Uh, especially because they added the one wild card. Yep. We talked about how important that was last year. But, Jay, last year to a degree, these three teams in the NL East still beat up on one another. This year... They're going to get a chance to beat up on a lot of others. Same with those NL West teams. And we're really going to see how good this NL Central actually is. We always hear about the Cardinals. Are they really? I'm, I'm concerned about that pitching. We're going to see how good teams actually are with the balance. All right, a couple of quick roster notes uh, before we move on here. Ozzy Albies is playing DH, not going to play second base for the first week. Kyle Wright, Mike Soroka are a little behind. Anything uh, to be worried about for them not being ready by opening day? Yeah, so I talked to uh, Kyle Wright, you know, after his bullpen Friday. So how did, how did it feel? I felt really good. Yeah, I was definitely very encouraged by it. Uh, Martin felt as fresh as it's been in a while. I had my uh, target velocity, which was um, I was trying to go 85 range, and um, it was nice and easy. I ended up getting over that, not intent- like unintentionally got over it. So um, for me, that's a good sign. I'd rather be that way than having to get after a little bit more to get there. So um, I was really excited about that, and, which means I'm going to continue to crank it up so I thought for the most part command was pretty good uh, but yeah overall I was very excited it felt good and then so that sounds good from Kyle right I mean that sounds like 
he's going to be ready if he stays on his current trajectory. He's got another bullpen Tuesday, he said. And I think he alluded to with me that he thinks he's got another bullpen after that where he'll go full go and then he'll face hitters after, whether that's in lives, whether that's in you know a game, who knows. But uh, moving along, Ozzy Albies, the right shoulder surgery was certainly news. Uh, he had that in mid the middle of October. I wouldn't be too concerned. He was swinging in lives going back to last week and has been taking BP. Um, it's just about kind of working him and easing him back in. He's just a little behind. Mike Soroka, we haven't heard much about. Um, Snit has almost, almost, you know, hasn't really said much about him and might not know much about him, you know, until he's more, you know, further along. He's further along and kind of more ready to be in games. And then we've got a little roster note about our friend Dennis Santana, right? Yeah, one less reliever in the competition now. Yeah, so so when the Braves acquired Dennis Santana in November, they thought he had the stuff of a late-inning reliever. Doesn't mean he would have pitched in the late innings for them. Just means that he's got great stuff and great natural talent. Well, today the Twins announced that he was claimed off of waivers from the Braves. People were wondering, what happened? Well, they placed him on outright waivers, which, you know, you go on outright waivers, maybe you end up in the minors um, if you pass through them. But he was on the 40-man roster, and the Braves had a couple 40-man moves, you know, they could make and putting Matzik in, you know, on the IL. But they put Santana, you know, instead on, on outright waivers, and this gives him a chance to catch on with another team with a big chunk of spring training still to go. And he wasn't he likely wasn't going to make the team. He was kind of on the outside looking in the situation. The Braves added Joe Jimenez you know, Nick Anderson around that same time that they added Santana, uh, Lucas Litke. Um, So they've got, you know, they brought back Jesse Chavez and to go with the healthy Kirby Yates and other relievers they had there. Santana was behind, you know, some others and likely wasn't going to make the team. Now he's with the twins and the Braves just kind of gave him enough time to catch on with someone. All right. Time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. Uh, well, we've got we got several of these. We're going to save them uh, throughout the week here as we do another spring training spectacular. But we'll lead off here with Eric. Why would the batter's attention matter relating to the pitch clock as long as he is in the box? I think that is a good question. Yeah, so Brian Snicker, I think, answered it. Is today, um, which Brian Snicker heard from MLB as an aside. You can catch that in the Braves notes from today. Um, and Snicker said that he thinks it's probably a safety thing that the batter's got to be aware to the pitcher just in case the pitcher, because he the pitcher can huck that ball at any point. He's, he can hurl that ball in there. And the batter, if he's not aware, something can happen. I think that's what Snit was trying to say, and you were there, that maybe, you know, it's it's a safety thing. The batter's got to be aware to the pitcher, aware to the ball that's going to be coming in at a high speed. From J Doe 3, is Dodd the next great Braves pitcher? Ooh, maybe. The numbers last year would, would tell you he might be. Um, and it's sneaky because they don't have a highly ranked farm system on the outlets that usually rank these things. But I'll tell you, the Braves don't really hype up their prospects as other clubs do. He looked good Saturday. He could, you know, he could be the next guy. I mean, he had a great season last year. Um, the strikeout numbers are good. Uh, yeah, he's one to watch. From Taylor Mooney, do you just live in a hotel for a month and a half for spring training? <laughs> We've already given you the answer. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, basically, Casa AJC this time. But um, yeah, no, it's yeah, month and a half, uh, six weeks in Florida. Weather's nice. Yep. Beautiful uh, day to here. 
Yeah. Yeah. The walks are nice. The stadiums are nice. And isn't there something now that you've got to experience it? Isn't there something a little bit different about just walking into a spring training park? It's it's unique experience. Yeah. It's just so chill. So laid back. Um, so early, which is great because we end early. And that's awesome. Final question, uh, also spring training related from Brian Summers. How are those kitchen sink nachos on a scale of one to ten? Oh, man. No free ads. You can find them somewhere at that ballpark. I would say a seven. I think they were good. They were ginormous. They almost had too much stuff on them. Well, I mean, the name kind of yeah, implies. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. But I, w- I would say a seven or an eight. Probably, you know what? Let's give it an eight because I think... They did the trick, held me over till dinner. It was so much food. And they put them in a pizza box. And and it was it was it was heavier than last year. And I it might have just been because I got them during the Grapefruit League opener. They were looking to make a strong impression and had, you know, there was no shortage of anything, but they were good. Um, would recommend, and hopefully everybody can get out to a spring ball game. Do you feel uncomfortable eating kitchen sink nachos in the press box with other people around? A little bit. I mean, I if there's somebody sitting next to me, yeah, that's that's the one thing I don't like about press boxes. Is when somebody's sitting right next to you, I just do not like eating in front of somebody like that. But especially nachos, exactly, exactly, because the, the stuff's going everywhere and it's dripping out of the box. And the boxes, you really need a shower juicy. curtain to eat nachos. Yeah, 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 probably. But yeah, do what you got to do. And after a long day at spring training, we get there what eight eight thirty. 7 sometimes so it's uh i was ready for lunch i had uh a, a cheesesteak here at uh, steinbrenner field it was about a three yeah. but i was desperately hungry so uh we hit the spot oh now you got your pick of the litter after we finish this up all right winners of the week you first my winner of the week is mlb Die, is, there, is there has any league done something that's actually when it gets implemented i'm not talking about the pre-implementation takes but when it actually gets implemented is universally accepted and actually liked i mean i'm just reading this from like social media but it seems like people enjoy these rule changes i was gonna say rob man for just to throw the bomb in there so please don't throw it back yes there's gonna be some tweaking involved am i gonna kind of miss max drama in the ninth inning yes but we gotta speed this thing up and I, I I felt pretty good about what I saw the last two days. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. It was fun to watch. Um, and like I said, this is spring training. Imagine when you get out there and you've got Max Fried versus Zach Wheeler. The defenses are playing. The boys are, you know, fielding grounders and, you know, catching pop flies and, and rolling them back in, you know, throwing them back in. This thing is – it's just fun to watch. Like, it's just the pace is – Think about the games you like to watch and the pace of them. This is every one of those games. Saturday, for example, we had a game that probably would have been three and a half, four hours without the pitch clock because of all that happened in it. It was still like 235. The Braves played 8% of their games that went less than two hours and 40 minutes last year. 13 games. They've already had two spring training, 239 and 216. That's so on nice. that note, uh, almost as long as, or actually, uh, this podcast was almost as long as the first half of uh, these games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is going to make a big difference for Braves and Braves fans, too, especially Braves fans with kids, because the Braves start their games at 720. Yep. Like in an era where teams are going to 640, 
seven, you know, seven ten even. The Braves are at seven twenty. Um, and so it's going to make a big difference for those of you who want to get your kids home, get your kids to bed, still be able to attend a big league ball game. Uh, it's going to be nice for everybody. It is a counterpoint, though, for those asking um, if I got to pay so much for my family to go to the ball game, and now you're making it shorter. That part is fair, but at least you'll get home in time. I don't think those people will mind it once they realize they're watching a better product. All right, so as you can tell, the blowers are starting to wind up here at uh, George M. Steinbrenner Field. So it's time for us to go home. So we got a lot more shows here coming up uh, while we spend another week down here at spring training. So please rate, review, follow, and share the show. And uh, please tell your friends, enemies, etc. And uh, we'll be back uh, later on in the week here on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.